expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time time for Taiwan This Week. Good evening and welcome to Taiwan This Week, a roundup of the top news stories from around the island over the past seven days. I'm Keith Manconi of ICRT News. Joining me in studio is Gavin Phipps, also of ICRT News. Gavin. Uh, good evening. And from Kaohsiung, we're joined by ICRT correspondent Michael Smith. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. On the show today, we'll be talking about the growing Taipei Dome controversy, which may be creeping its way to the doorstep of President Ma. More news on the spat between Taiwan and Japan on import restrictions set to take effect today, and a protest down south on tourism from China. But before we get to any of that, yes, we are aware that registration for the KMT's presidential primary is wrapping up tomorrow. But since we've brought you so much stuff on the election already, we're going to just cover it very, very briefly. Uh, I'm sure there will be much more to talk about next week after the deadline passes. But just to get our quick politics fix, I'm going to put one question to each of you and only one question. What do we expect to see tomorrow? Before you answer, just to set the stage for our listeners, so far there's only three people who have registered and none of them are considered major contenders. All the other major candidates have been rather coy about their intentions, with Wang Jingping seen as the most likely to step in. Uh, So let's start with you, Michael. What do you expect tomorrow? Well, uh, to be completely frank, I expect that they will delay the nomination process because, as it stands right now, I cannot imagine the KMT deciding to spend uh, several billion NT promoting a candidate that doesn't have even mainstream appeal in their own party, let alone across the island. So unless we have some last-minute Wong revelation or for some reason Eric Jew, the mayor of uh, New Taipei City, has some sort of uh, complete change of heart and mind uh, by tomorrow, I say uh, extension and we will see. Yeah, I agree with Eric. I think there might be an extension but there was an interesting article in today's that being Friday's China Times which said that current Vice President Wu Duni or Legislative Speaker Wang Jingping could be set to run for the KMT chairmanship post and it also hinted that Eric Chu might actually change his mind. But I don't actually agree with that. I don't think he will. Yeah, he's made it He's made it pretty clear. And he's used some language that would be pretty hard to back away from at this point. And if he did change his mind, it would be an easy campaign slogan for the other side to criticize him with. Uh, continuing with what Gavin just mentioned, Clara Cho, who is a, a, a well-known political pundit, she also uh, says that she believes that Wang will vie for the KMT chairmanship. And uh, whether or not that means that uh, with that, there would also be a presidential run is a a separate uh, possibility. But uh, as it is right now, uh, Eric Chu is still the one that is is, is polling the best among KMT uh, voters. But he keeps saying no. And he said last week in pretty unambiguous terms that, you know, can we just leave this alone? I've said no. That's it. No is no. Take my answer as no, and let's move on. So I don't know how he's backing away from that. And, of course, what is quite interesting is the fact that these KMT heavyweights have spent the last seven years lauding Ma Ying-Jo's policies, but now it's push has come to shove and crunch time is here, and nobody is actually standing up or willing to stand up and say, yeah, I'll continue with his policies, which is quite interesting. 
Right. So the one person who would make an ideal candidate, if you are looking at it from the the broader picture, would be Wang Jingping because of the spat that he had with Ma Ying-jeou. So he could almost run as like the anti-Ma KMT candidate, but whether or not he is... Uh, committed enough to making that run, knowing that there's a decent possibility that he would lose the election overall, is c- completely speculation, and we just don't know. We're going to have to wait for him to make up his mind or not make up his mind and let this thing be extended. All right. Okay. So we are done with politics, which must mean it's time to talk about food controversies, of course. And let's start with, well, I don't know. Japan may be cutting off food exports to Taiwan. That seems like a good topic. Now, of course, this controversy here is something that we've talked about last week, uh, but a lot has happened since then. Today is, in fact, the day that Taiwan is putting in place stronger import restrictions on Japanese food products. And just to recap, uh, they're going to be requiring certificates verifying the point of origin for food to prevent imports from areas affected by Japan's 2011 nuclear disaster, along with requirements that certain products contain documentation that they've been checked for radiation. Well, earlier this week, Japanese media reported that almost none of the Japanese importers have managed to prepare the required proofs and that Japan may suspend food exports to Taiwan. Meanwhile, Tokyo also said earlier this week that it may bring a challenge to Taiwan's restrictions to the World Trade Organization for Arbitration. So it seems like this is kind of heating up as a point of international controversy. Uh, but if you're listening to the Ma administration this week, uh, it's, if, if you were listening to them, it sounds like this is not so dramatic. So, uh, Gavin, what have they been saying? Well, basically, Ma Ying-jeou on Thursday of this week held talks with a visiting Japanese politician. I believe his name is Murai Yoshihiro, and he's the governor of, and I'm going to crucify the name of this province or prefecture, but Miyagi? Miyagi, Mi- prefe- Miyagi correct. Miyagi, Miyagi prefecture. He was in town yesterday on Thursday, and apparently Ma Ying-jeou told him that his administration, that being the Ma administration, will lift any restrictions on food imports from Japan after an investigation into the forced labelling issue has been raised. Up. He also said that after the investigation into the false and misleading food labelling is completed, it'll all go back to normal. So if you listen to them say it, uh, there, there, there won't be any end to exports from Japan? Well, according to Ma, it's any, any ban will be lifted after an investigation. But he didn't give a time frame about when this investigation will be finished or anything. So, you know, and of course, the government is probably hoping that there'll be a huge public outcry of support for them. Let's boycott Japanese goods. But of course, earlier, was it late last year or earlier this year, there was another call to boycott Japanese goods. Cosmetics, I believe, by the then the previous premier. That fell on deaf ears and the public continued to go to Japanese department stores and purchase Japanese goods. Of course, Japan has also presented what it says is extensive scientific information to the government here in Taipei, which apparently says that many countries around the world are now loosening their regulations on Japanese food imports, it being now four years since the nuclear meltdown. Of course, it doesn't help, however, that the Japanese government has been less than forthcoming when it comes to information regarding the nuclear accident and contamination and has changed its story on several occasions. So that doesn't instill any sort of confidence in people, if you ask me. So it it does seem like this is getting a little bit more serious. Uh, Do we see any chance that Japan is really going to take this to the WTO? Is this going to be a point of contention between Taiwan and Japan? Is is this going to continue? I seriously doubt it because Taiwan and Japan have friendly relations for the most part and uh, for the most 
every dispute over the past you know a couple decades or so they've managed to work out between themselves without going to uh arbitration or some sort of international court so i would vote no on that i don't know if gavin backs me up yeah i mean yesterday thursday the japanese interchange association which is of course the pseudo japanese embassy here in taiwan said that both taipan and tokyo have reached a consensus to cooperate on the investigation of the false labeling you know so if both sides work together it could be over quite quickly and will probably lead to nothing all right, so we're going to have to move away from food now on to yet another topic that we've talked about before. I swear this is not a rerun. Uh, there's lots of new stuff here, even though we've talked about it before. Uh, and this is the Taipei Dome controversy. Uh, when last we broached the subject, the main issue we were looking at was allegations from Taipei Mayor Cohen Zhe's administration that the dome will be unsafe. Well, safety concerns kind of took a back seat this week after the Taipei Clean Government Committee formed by Mayor Ke, dropped a bit of a bombshell last Friday. It said that its investigation of the selection process and contract negotiations overseen by then-Taipei Mayor Ma ying had discovered serious illegal profiteering. Basically, it's accusing Ma of making decisions that gave special favors to Far Glory Group, uh, the developer. So there were two big recommendations that came out of this. First, uh, that the city dissolve its contract with Far Glory. And uh, the bit that makes this national headline news, that the Taipei city government report President Ma to the Ministry of Justice for a formal investigation. Uh, let's start with what the committee found. So, Gavin, can you give us a little bit of a recap of what they say they found? Yes, the committee said that it found that Ma Ying-jeou and Lee Su-de, who is the current head of the Taiwan Stock Exchange changed the parameters of the project in ways that unlawfully provided financial benefits to the main contractor, that being the Far Glory Land Development Corporation. Lee, however, has denied this and said that no untoward incidents ever took place and any decisions were made according to the law. And so the the problems that they're talking about here are, are, are royalty issues and also zoning issues, right? Yeah, main was questions about Far Glory's profits from the project. Mm-hmm. Of course, because Far Glory was not opening... It was a multi-purpose sports complex, meaning mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a stadium with a department store and I believe a cinema attached to it, which means that any money from the renting out of the property to, to chain stores and what have you would go straight into Far Glory's pocket rather than in the city government's coffers, where it probably should have gone if it was a city government project. Right, if they were negotiating... Uh, aggressively. Aggressively, and of course the money would have gone back to the city rather than going into an individual company's pockets. And I know that they didn't really say anything specifically about this, but when we talk about profiteering here, how might these city officials have benefited from this? What What, what, what is the speculation? Well, there's no actual allegations of personal corruption, as in kickbacks from Far Glory. The only question is how much Far Glory was told that it could get away with paying the city government in royalties. And I believe that the number was quoted as 0.1% of the project's net profits in royalties. Well, when you think about how much money they're going to make, 0.1% of a hell of a lot of money might still be a lot of money, but it's not much of the total amount of money going into the city government's coffers. Yeah, and I mean, although we don't have any specific allegations uh, per se right now, I mean, somebody has to be lining their pockets somewhere to make this happen because... 
back when they were discussing the possibility of what to do with the former, now former uh, Songshan, it's called Songshan, I believe, the tobacco factory area, the plot of land where that's being built. So many people were suggesting that they build another park or uh, another like uh, Da'an area or perhaps even like an artist's village where the, there was all these suggestions and the city could have taken one of those ideas and run with it, but they went with this mega project that evolved from, as Gavin was just saying, a cinema of this and of that to, I think now it, it it's somewhere closer to the 80% mark of, of uh, commercial use when it was supposed to be at the beginning something more like 60%. So something something's going on here and the light is going to be shed on this at some point. But an interesting thing was that in Kaohsiung, we have a, an egg as well, as they call it. And the, the Kaohsiung egg has been touted as like a, a model of efficiency and, and uh, good uh, building and governance and all the rest. But last week, there was also allegations made against the former mayor of Kaohsiung, Frank Xie, who is also a former DPP uh, chief and also a former presidential candidate. He brushed those off as well, but... It's either a, an attempt by the people in Taipei to try to move a little bit of, uh, of the heat away from them, or it's possible that once again we're going to see a whole other string of issues related to construction of the Kaohsiung Big Egg as well. So, not good. Well, okay, so we're going to keep the Taipei Dome in the back of your head, but we're going to bracket it just for a second to move on to another development controversy. This was the other one that made major headlines this week. And it's also an un, another one that involves Taipei Mayor Kawenja. Uh, in this case, we're talking about the Taipei New Horizon building. Here, it's Mayor Ka versus the Fubon Group, which is managing the property. The property in question is an office building, a store, and a hotel located right in the scenic Songshan Cultural and Creative Park. Its status was thrown into serious question earlier this year, though, when controversy emerged over the deal Fubon was getting from the city, which here once again many charge is just too cushy. Uh, talks were held earlier this year between Fubon and the city. Talks broke down. Uh, then this week it looked like bookstore chain Esleet might make it all go away when it was announced that it had plans to buy the project from Fubon. But not so fast, said the Ministry of Finance. That buyout probably isn't legal. Okay, so this is uh, another big mess. Lots of people involved here, lots of moving parts. Uh, let's start with why is the Ka administration taking on Fubon in this case? What do they say is wrong with this project? Because the project, the, the Taipei New Horizon building, is based in the Songshan Cultural Park. Now, apparently, according to the city government, the current city government, the building was meant to be used for cultural and creative purposes. But there are allegations that Fubon, because it and Taiwan Mobile, I believe, was the other company involved in its management, have simply made it corporate headquarters. So this building, a nice building, looks all right to me, got nothing wrong with it, it's not an ugly building, it was meant to promote culture, and now it's become simply corporate headquarters for companies. And in Kaohsiung, a, a prominent politician down here said that... Uh, uh, he found it kind of ridiculous that every time you tack on the name cultural to something these days, it seems to be able to fly under the radar uh, with regard to certain regulations. And he even referenced a uh, cultural event in Pingdong that uh, it just doesn't seem to, to have that international feel that you could call it like an international cultural this, that, and the other. But millions of NT were spent building these buildings or these parks, and they'd tack on the word cultural or creative, and then all of a sudden everything seems to go away. So this is <laughs> something that, uh, yeah, is island-wide, actually. 
Right, of course, this bill, this New Horizon building, apparently there have been allegations that the Taipei city government only collected a mere 560,000 NT in operating fees last year from Fubon Financial. Which is barely enough to cover well, electricity and stuff like that. Well, apparently, that. apparently, apparently, believe it or not, some 6 million NT annually was promised to the city government. So obviously 500,000 and 6 million, because quite a discrepancy there. Mm. All right, so... Now on to the main news of this week, uh, the announcement that Eslite might try to buy out the plan, but then again, maybe not. Uh, so, Gavin, what happened there? Well, Eslite rents several floors in it and runs the hotel in it, I believe. There is a hotel in the building. If you can guess that's cultural. People go there. People see things. People stay there. It's okay. Watch TV. If you don't even leave your room, you can watch TV. HBO is pretty cultural. There you go. It could be considered cultural. Eslite came out and said, yeah, look, we'll buy the whole building, which is fair enough. because Eslite is quite well known for doing cultural things. It has its own bookstores it has its own events unfortunately the minister of finance said hang on a minute that might not be quite legal due to the fact that the building was a bot project i believe build operate transfer yes these bot projects they seem to be one in a million these days (laughs) and apparently according to the law a the management of a bot project cannot be handed over unless there are problems with construction or it can be proven there are mismanagement issues with the actual finished building so for as technically if you follow the ministry of finance for as lead to be able to buy the building Fubon financial have to be declared completely incompetent so we're not out of the out of this controversy uh, just yet, the, the the spat between the city and Fubon is going to continue. They're going to have to work it out. They certainly are. It's very interesting, though, because, you know, none of these topics came up uh, during the previous administration, and this new one seems to uh, just wade into one controversy after another. I mean, the guy is in the news every single week with something new. Uh, at least it's entertaining. That's all I can say. Right, and that kind of gets to a, a question that I wanted to throw at you guys. Uh, so, you know, some people are obviously applauding the fact that uh, Mayor Ke is willing to take on these big financial holding groups, these big development projects, and, and take a second look at them. Former administration, you know, former Mayor Hao Long Bean and former Mayor Ma Ying-jeou obviously are not quite as pleased with it. Uh, I believe Hao Long Bean said this week that Ke is only pursuing this to get his own name in the headlines. So uh, to them, you know, they're kind of looking over projects that were already decided upon. They think that, you know, these projects are beyond repute. They're, you know, they're good for the city. They they, they were reviewed rigorously. Uh, so how is the public viewing this at this point? Are they on Ke's side? Are they glad that he's taking a second look at this? Or, or, or are they, you know, being persuaded by that other view of things. Yet again, it comes down to one's political bent, of course. Very much so. He's very popular in the South, from uh, at least from what I can tell from chatting with people. He he gets high marks down here as a, a champion, but of course this is uh, about 400 kilometers away from Taipei, so Gavin? And a very green area. Of course, Taipei is yeah, traditionally so. blue before all this And one guy, one guy who uh, I spoke to, he, he is not a political pundit, he's just an average local guy who runs a small business down here in Kaohsiung. He supports uh, Ke, but he also told me this. He said, look, in Taiwan, this is how things work. This big business colludes with government. Uh, There's gangster elements. This is just how things get done. And if you're going to throw monkey wrenches into stuff and try to upend the entire system, you are going to get stalemate and you're not going to get cooperation from any of these things. And pretty much you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot a little bit. So he had a bit of word of caution for the mayor of like, know what you're doing before you go ahead and jump into this pool. I thought that was interesting. All right, so uh, that's going to have to be it for development controversies today. And on to the last topic for today. 
Frustration over tourists from China boiled over this week when residents of the Hamasan area in Gaoxiong protested at a public hearing with city officials. The demonstrators say that the surge of visitors has disrupted traffic, while business at local stores continues to suffer. So my understanding is that、uh, city policy is to increase tourism from China,、uh, but from the sounds of it, even local businesses seem to oppose this. Michael, could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, well, the Hamashin—that's I, I can't pronounce it myself、uh, because it's a、uh, Taiwanese, and it's not actually like a district of the city, like.、Uh, Uh, Chijing, or you know, some of these other districts would be. It is just an area that happens to encompass the Shizuwan area, where、uh, there's boats and seafood and、uh, a, a small tourist area that's been around for a long time. So these residents down there, they are protesting the fact that, despite all the promises of income that、uh, the government has said would result from having more Chinese tourists in their area, they're not seeing their pockets get any fatter. And the reason for that is because the busloads of tourists come down, and they go to specific restaurants or specific shops that have worked out deals with tour groups, and they spend their money in these specific places. If you're up in Taipei and you go to the Nehu area, you'll find a couple of massive buildings that sell watches and cigarettes and all the rest. So the buses in Taipei, they go up there, they drop off the Chinese tourists, they buy stuff there. And then they get back on their bus and perhaps go back to the airport. So even in Taipei, it's a, a similar situation. But in the south, the people are saying, "Okay, well, if we're not getting the income that's coming in, and you've got 30 tour buses that are blocking the area and not allowing my normal、uh, clientele and business to come in and, and me to make my money, then why should I accept this?" So they were quite upset about it. And last month, the government already said that they would look into putting in various、uh, restrictions, like、uh, how many buses. This could come in in one day, or perhaps building a bigger parking lot a little further away for these things. But the biggest issue really is this revenue thing, and I find this very interesting because I chatted with a friend、uh, who owns a restaurant and a campground down in Kending not long ago, and he was using some very sailorish <laughs> language, if I might、uh, use that, that phrase, to describe the. At the time, it looked like there was fifty or sixty、uh, Chinese tourists there. He was very, very upset that they were there, and I was like, "But, but, dude, these people are." Customers, they're they're buying stuff. They're they're. He's like, well, they buy one Coca Cola and they sit here for the whole time. I'm not making the money that I should have. They're taking up space, and he. He could not see any economic benefit to himself from this, and this is the same situation in the Shizuwan area, which is one of the most popular、uh, tourist destinations in Gaoshan because you've got Monkey Mountain up there and the university and a fort that dates back a couple hundred years and all of this. They're just not seeing the income that they thought that they would be promised, and that's why they're upset. But of course, most of this issue is the Chinese tour groups rather than the Chinese individual tourists. One must bear in mind. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. It's not. Every tourist from China, or every Chinese national, it's the tour groups. Of course, the Chinese. There have been calls for restrictions on the number of Chinese tour groups, but an increase in the number of individual Chinese tourists. Of course, they come here on their so-called free independent traveller program. Right, and they spend more money because they are not being shepherded around to various locations. They book their own hotel rooms. They travel around, and I'm assuming that they would be people who have a, a bit more means. If you know what I mean, they they are considered to be the more wealthy of the Chinese tourists that come here, of course, because they don't come with the tour groups, right? But of course, in Taipei, there's a lot of problems outside the Taipei 101, of course, because 
The Chinese tour groups park their buses along Shinyi Road, get out of the buses, walk into the Taipei 101, go to the top, look at the view, and then walk out of the building, and then get back on their buses and drive somewhere else. Now, to be fair, I mean, each person spent like, uh, I forget what it costs now to go to the top of 101, but it's not cheap. So money is being put into the economy, but... Is it benefiting the local dude on the street? You know, that's kind of the, the issue in Kaohsiung. They're saying they, the one guy used the term locusts to describe the tourists, that they're coming in and just uh, eating up all of this. They're also complaining about uncivilized behavior by the, uh, the tourists. And this is not something that China denies. They've actually had campaigns recently in China to restrict people who like, for example, let's say you get busted for smoking in the bathroom on an airplane a, a flight to the States, right? Your name might get put on a list where you are not allowed to leave the country or not allowed to go to certain places for X amount of years. So the Chinese government is promoting what they call civilized tourism. But in Taiwan, that is a, another issue that's uh, been plaguing uh, the the Chinese tourists as well, is that some of them, uh, when they come, they have not yet uh, learned some of the rules regarding littering or other things related to hygiene and that kind of thing. So that was the second thing that the people in the Shizuan area were protesting, and they were quite specific about it. They were like spitting in the street, urinating in the street, and even defecating in the street, and they had pictures and placards to prove their allegations. So (laughs) that was uh, unsavory to say the least. So getting back to this policy issue, uh, Gavin, I know that you already kind of mentioned this a little bit. Uh, what, what do you think uh, these people that are kind of fed up with this tourism, what, what kind of moves do you think that they want to see the government take? What would be the kind of moves the government could take to promote the kind of tourism that uh, these locals see as more beneficial to their businesses and to their areas? Well, apparently there have been allegations that the, the sectors catering to the Chinese tourists have been increasingly monopolised by certain companies. Like Eric said, you know, they drive up to a building, they go to one shop, and small businesses aren't making any money. So, of course, the government has stepped in and has actually, I believe the Chinese government as well has also stepped in and said, look, you can't, if you run a tour group, you can't simply tell your tour group members to go buy things here. So technically, it's actually illegal for a Chinese tour group to engage in such activity. One was recently, well, that was video, one went viral a couple of weeks ago, a tour group from Yunnan, they were in Yunnan province, I believe, in Shishuambana, when the tour guide was on a bus and was recorded yelling and swearing at the tourists that you have to spend X amount of money in this shop because if you don't, we're going to cancel the rest of the tour. Ah. <laughs> that was, of course, in China, but it was a Chinese tour group in China. Right. And of course, the government here have sort of said have hinted that, you know, tour groups shouldn't be forced to spend money in certain shops. But, you know, unless someone clamps down on this seriously, it's going to continue. All right. Well, uh, definitely something that's going to come up in the news again, because it sort of does. But we're going to have to leave it there for today. You can send us your thoughts on this week's major stories on the Facebook page or on our blog. You'll also be able to find this program online at the ICRT website and on iTunes. If you're listening through iTunes, please take a second to rate and review the show. It lets us know what you're thinking and helps other people discover the program. Signing off from the ICRT studio, I'm Keith Menconi, joined as always by Gavin Phipps. Gavin? Yes, good night. And Michael Smith, thank you as well. Not a problem. See you soon. And thank you all for listening. See you again next time on Taiwan This Week. Tune in again next Friday evening at 8.30 for another informative look at the top stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website, www.icrt.com.tw. Now, keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT FM 100.